wherever you're at. Thank you for tuning in to the People of the Covenant podcast. EOC. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Brian Bowers, and we yeah, have yo. another co-host named Dennis Robbie, who's a little shy. He didn't want to say his name. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we're glad to do this once again. Um, this week, we're going to uh, we're going to look at a subject that has been tackled quite a bit uh, in our country and within uh, the church. And that subject is going to be social justice and critical race theory. And I know we're a little bit late to the to the discussion in a sense, but given everything that has transpired, uh, I think that it goes without saying that the more people to try to ed- lend some clarity to this particular subject, the better. Um, so we're not going to we're not going to waste much time. We're going to just kind of jump in and and uh, just look at some things regarding the whole subject matter. Um, Dennis, anything you want to say before we uh, get started? Um, not nothing specific. I guess we're just uh, this will be the first session that we're starting of uh, of a set a set of different lessons that we want to do based on this topic. Yeah. Um, and I was just wanted to go over just a quick schedule in terms of where we're thinking of going with this. We want to take today, just go through uh, introductory material uh, based on, on this issue of critical race theory and social justice and just general, I guess, conversation on, on this issue. And then we want to do do a session, maybe talk a little bit about the history of it as far as as far as we understand it, as far as some of us have lived uh, through through some of it. Sure. Others of us were too young to live through <laughs> uh, through a lot of the issues that, that were going on in America. Uh, I guess that set off a lot now, of this. Now, for what it's worth, Dennis, I came in on the tail end of it all. I was born in the 60s. Uh, that's fine. You still live through it in my mind, you know. <laughs> I was born in 89, so come on now. <laughs> uh, so we can uh, just talk a little bit about the history um, uh, that's relevant to this discussion. And and I think the most important part that we'll probably talk about there is the need to distinguish between the past and and the present. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that, and then the third session will hopefully bring in some biblical principles that we think will be relevant in this discussion. And then the fourth thing, just drawing out some applications based on this. So that's just kind of a rough schedule where we want to go. Uh, we'll let we'll let the conversation guide it and uh, and go wherever it needs to go. Yeah, Dennis, um, I was thinking that. Perhaps we could start off by just discussing how how you and I met and um, some of the obvious differences in terms of our backgrounds and the things that unite us as as um, two brothers in Christ. Um, yeah, absolutely, because I think that's that's crucially important because that's relevant 
to why we even got interested in this discussion, I think. Absolutely. Um, the context in which we met, the context in which we served uh, as uh, as Christian brothers. And uh, and I think in a sense, that's probably, that's probably one of the main reasons why we even wanted to start this podcast was to talk about our our relationship as brothers in Christ and how and everything around that and how it formed and then as we observed what was going on in the culture at large and then what began to enter into the church with the whole issue of critical race theory and social justice uh, that that really I think what kind of probably lit the match that that started to burden us to to discuss this um but yeah so i i think that 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 would be a perfect place to start in terms of our relationship did you have did you want to go ahead and start that yeah yeah before i jump in though i i, I do want to um i want to give you credit <laughs> um for for first making me aware of the extent in which this particular subject matter had crept into the church um, a few years back, I remember you telling me um, critical race theory and the issue of social social justice had begun to be discussed in in Christian circles, and and at the time, I remember my myself thinking, and I think I even expressed it to you. I said, "I won't. It won't take hold. It certainly will not. Will not gain a foothold in the church." And boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. I just thought that it was something that was going to be discussed kind of in fringe areas of of Christianity. And now at this point, I mean, it's being discussed in general, but I, I'm also running into individuals now that are being affected within their churches by this particular subject. Hmm. So it's it it definitely is something that, is not going anywhere anytime soon. And I think probably if, as I look back to that time when we started talking about it, I think the reason that both of us thought that this isn't going to really last is because we, I don't think at that time we truly, we, we understood the philosophy that was behind all of this. I mean, I know for myself, I would say probably when the uh, MLK 50 conference happened, uh, I want to say 2018, let's just say, you know, yeah, few years back, was. 2018, okay, is probably the first time that I really got hit with a lot of this and uh, to begin to see the dangers in this and and you listen to a lot of that stuff and when you don't fully understand where it's coming from it um you're you're either gonna just say oh okay yeah i experienced that you know i know what you're talking about or you're gonna say whoa, 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 whoa what's going on here this like this is really weird sounding yeah, And then as time went by, when we began to study this a little bit more and understood the philosophical foundation of a lot of these discussions that were being 
that were being held, hence critical theory, critical race theory, you know, and, and things like that. And and on top of that, what the the leftist culture was pushing and how that was the, the philosophy that, that would really begin to push a lot of that. That's when probably we understood that there's something there's something bigger going on here. That that's just simply a you know, background conversations, backstage conversations. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And we'll we'll definitely get a chance to unpack a little bit of that today. Um but you and I, Dennis, we we go back to the early 2000s. It's hard to believe that we're, we're approaching close to, I mean, 15 years or so, and mm. we've been friends. But uh, yeah, we met. <laughs> we've been going to the same same two churches. We go to the same two churches. When we first met, we met at a small Reformed church located in the basement of a firehouse. I remember it. <laughs> Like yesterday, I remember I thought my life was going to end <laughs> when when you <laughs> and all of your brothers and sisters walked <laughs> downstairs in single file with black suits on and bla- all black on. I was like, something, something, something's not right here. <laughs> yeah, you see a bunch of bunch of uh, white people walking in black suits, right? You get afraid. And and because of the way that the basement was set up, it it wasn't like there was any other exit except for through you guys. (laughs) (laughs) But you guys came in, walked around the back. And our church was so small that, I mean, it wasn't like you guys were going to just sneak in. (laughs) But Not that we were trying to sneak in. No, of course not. Of course not. Of course not. But, um, yeah, yeah, that that was... um, yeah, that was awesome. Um, you know, we um, we got to know each other rather quickly. I, I remember, you know, that uh, our pastor at the time placed us on some sort of project together, and I, I can't even remember what the nature of that project was. But we we, we basically um, we became friends rather rather quickly because I mean we both were united around the concept and the the theology of of what it meant to be you know part of the family of 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 god you know christ was the center of that of that friendship um we had similar uh, similar views theologically i think but obviously anyone that takes a look at us sees that there's vast differences <laughs> um you're from the ukraine i'm born and raised in harrisburg pa there's an age difference, obviously. Um, I'm better looking. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I can take that. <laughs> but in all seriousness, we had a lot of similarities. I mean, it was surprising to find out that we both um, we both bumped Christian hip hop back in the day. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you still do or not. Me a little bit less than, Come than on before. Now. I chop it up. I do a little <laughs> chop chop every once in a while. But yeah, Un- un- unfortunately with a lot of Christian hip hop, you almost have to return to the original Christian hip hop to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, definitely has changed. And that's interesting to to kind of watch the the um the change in that genre because mm-hmm. a lot of the same guys that started off as I mean really solid so far as regarding their faith and et cetera, you saw that 
it kind of took a direction towards more of a social gospel. And, and from that point on, I mean, it, there's a good number of them that, that well, goes without saying, it have changed their their mission, their 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 focus. But but in any event, that that's that's what I that's the best way that I could summarize our relationship. I mean, we've um, been friends for a very long time, and although we are different in a lot of ways in terms of how we grew up, what unites us is is Christ. Amen. Anything you would add to that? Anything I missed? Yeah, yeah, I would just add that um, I think what's important for people to understand is the specific context of that church in which we met. So, obviously, you're a black man. I'm a white man. The church at that time uh, that we met, that we attended, it was a uh, multi-ethnic church. Uh, fairly, fairly evenly split, we'll say, right between blacks and whites. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Probably even had some other ethnicities. Um, Definitely that that present uh, present there, but the church, and I know the pastor at that time. I mean, what what drove him? What his passion was the unity that was needed, the unity that, that, that he saw that was needed in bringing all ethnic, ethnicities together, bringing God's people together under the banner of good theology, reformed theology. So uh, back in the day, we would say the uh, in layman's ter- in layman's terms, the the mission of the church was to bring reformed theology into the hood. Right? Yep, yep. Um, and um, I know for myself, coming out of a much more traditional background, borderline fundamental background in some ways, a Slavic Baptist church. When I when I was saved, God gave me a love for His Word. And all I wanted to do was just study the word. And the uh, the pastor of that church at that time actually spoke at a chapel at a Bible college that I was attending. And that was kind of what drew me in. And that's what the first time that we attended with our um, with our uh, uh, Slavic mafia. Um, <laughs> Your entourage. <laughs> my entourage. How many of them were you, Dennis? I mean, not a view. Well, <laughs> so it was myself, my siblings, but we had, um, I think our cousin was there. Yeah. We had a couple friends from, uh, uh, from out of, out of state that were there. So it might've been up to 10 or so. Yeah. yeah okay. All right. Um, gotcha. I just, the, the funny part is the, after the service, the, the preaching pastor, we were talking to him and I just remember when he he thought that uh, my, I, my sister and I were married, and everyone was our kid. Were our kids, <laughs> which was just hilarious. Um, but, but, but I say that because when we when we came to to that church, the last thing on my mind was there's black people here. Yeah, the last thing on my mind was. 
oh, there's whites here too. <laughs> and, um, it, 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 I mean, let, let me be clear. Um, I don't see anything wrong with having a all black church and all white church. I don't, I I don't see anything wrong. Um, The church is going to be built up of the community that God places you in. And, and, and that's, I think that's, that's normal. That's fine. That that's just common sense. And if you're going out trying to find other ethnicities when they're not there in your community, you're missing the point. So, so that aside, when I came to that church, that was the last thing in my mind. And when we met, when, when our relationship began to grow, you, you know, that we, we weren't sitting there talking about our skin colors and what that means for us and what that means for our relationship. And um, uh, we just weren't doing that because, again, I, I think you would agree that was just the last thing on our mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that, that was, <laughs> that wasn't even on the, the list. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and obviously we, we knew about racism. We knew about the issues of the past. We knew we would joke about stuff uh, that it, in that context with one another. And we yeah. knew and understood that, that stuff was irrelevant in light of who we were in Christ. And Absolutely. that's why we could joke about certain aspects um, uh, of, uh, of that. Um, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, so I think that's, that, that, I think that's important for people to understand that that's where we met. That's the context that, be, that began our relationship that's the context that I would say solidified our relationship. And I, 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 I mean, I, I would say that it was because of, it's because of that, that when we, I mean, I'll speak for myself, that when I started to, to see what was entering into the church with social justice, that kind of just blew my mind because of the context in which I came out of having the unity that, that, that we, that we had, that we, that we still have, and that we had with other brothers that, that, that were, that, that were present there, having that unity that we had, uh, for years and then seeing what is entering into the church I think just really, really at times made me angry um, at how, how how ridiculous people can be and how divisive people can be for absolutely no reason. Dennis, if I can interject something, um, I mean, my my sentiments are exactly the same as yours. Our experience at, at our church, especially the the church where we met, None of that was exhibited. None of that type of polarization regarding the color of our skin. That that was never a part of our um a part of the makeup of, of, of our church. We 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 just we just loved each other. It was that yeah. simple. And and for me growing up, I can honestly say 
Although some <laughs> may disagree with me from days gone by, but my experience growing up, man, I had friends of all different types of shades, types, and colors. I mean, I grew up, I had the privilege and curse at the same time of growing up in two or three different areas within the Harrisburg area, in Steelton, Susquehanna Township, and I met all kinds of people, had sleepovers with, I mean, people from literally, I mean, multiple types of ethnic ethnic backgrounds, and um, it was never an issue, never an issue. Um, that just makes you a sellout, come on. <laughs> now, I don't want to pretend as if there was never any type of incident that that could be labeled as as racism. But to me, I see that as drastically different from what's being promulgated in our country and in and in in the church right now regarding the subject of social justice. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. if 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 it's all the same, I guess we can move to that particular subject matter. If I may, I'd like to read something. Um, I, I don't know if you've been listening to James White recently over the last maybe couple of uh, couple of sessions, but something really caught my attention at the end of one of his recent um, podcasts on the dividing line. I just want you to listen to this for a second. At the very end, he stated, he said, he said, a few biblical thoughts to provide response to those who absolutely seem intent upon promoting a Christian message that starts from man. A message that starts from certain philosophical presuppositions about creaturely freedom and then seeks to reason up to God. So what he was basically saying is that his concern was for us as Christians that in order for us to understand the world in which we live, in order for us to understand our faith even, in order for us to understand God and in order to understand each other, we have to start our journey in that understanding with understanding God. And then he goes on and he says, he says, I'm going to tell you something right now. If you don't start with the revelation of who God is, then move downward to his creature, you will always end up with falsehood about the, the creature and God. And that is the beginning of every heresy. It is not natural for man to do this. In other words, it is natural for man to start with himself. And and the whole point that I wanted to bring up there is especially regarding this particular subject, it's natural for us to look at a subject like this, social justice, first and foremost from the concept of man instead of seeking to understand God, the world that he created, and how he has created man before we start trying to to diagnose man's problem. I don't know if that makes sense, and I hope it does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it does, because it, it's, I, I mean, any, any fair treatment of a biblical understanding of the sinfulness of man will have to say that we want to view everything through 
our life experiences, our life lens through through ourselves, through through who we are and what we see, and that's it. We want to look at the world through ourselves, to put it to put it lightly. So when you enter into this topic, which in many ways is a very emotional, sensitive, uh, real issue that has real history behind it, mm. when you enter in, into an issue like this, and real modern manifestations of it, obviously. Sure. It, um, yeah, I mean, the temptation, I think, would be so great. Uh, I mean, we're going to... I, w- I want to get into just kind of defining some terms and stuff, but just one example for me is that I, that uh, you know I, I know I've obviously used with you uh, with you is um, with me being an immigrant. So I moved to America with my family. Now I was fairly young; I was eight years old when we moved here. But I. Obviously, I lived the life of an immigrant. I stayed in the Slavic community up until my late teenage years. Um, I look at, obviously, my parents, who still have very broken English, and what they live through. It would be so easy for me to pick that up and begin to view my whole life through that lens. And begin to define who I am and begin to judge others through that lens. I, I mean, I, I, I yeah, yeah, m- yeah, much can be said there. But obviously, yes, the temptation is great to, yeah. to look at, to look at certain, look at certain experiences that we've had. Or even to look at certain experiences that our forefathers had and begin to view the world through that lens. But but we forget that there is a God who made us. Exactly. There is a God who made this world. There is a God who is providentially guiding this world and every single event that is happening in this world to bring about his purposes. So that means that at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is are his purposes and what he is doing. Mm. And that gets us right into the gospel, we would agree, we would say. Absolutely, Dennis. And just to kind of piggyback off with what you just said regarding the temptation for us to to kind of look at this type of subject matter exclusively from the standpoint of what I've experienced or what you've experienced. We're leapfrogging over a large portion of of history <laughs> that yeah. that I think is very critical to this particular subject. In fact, I think it even transcends history itself. When we think about the fact that God created us in his image, the fact that all men are created in the image of God, we were image bearers of of the one that that um, brought us to life, and the fact that we all fell—not <laughs> just white people, <laughs> not just black people—all of us, 
all of mankind fell. And we have the account. We have the account of the, we, we can look between the pages of the Old Testament and we can see that manifest itself in a variety of different ways. So even before you start examining history, I think you have to have a, a thorough understanding of our anthropology, our ontology, the fact that we, even as we're trying to make sense of the events of history, we can never lose sight of the fact that there's no particular ethnicity that has the market cornered on sin. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny as I as I look at this topic and see different church leaders come out in support, some sometimes I sit back and go, Were you actually reformed in the past? Did you actually <laughs> understand reformed theology? <laughs> and, and and the sinfulness of man and and the greatness of Christ and our salvation. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, did you actually understand that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah let, let's let's take just a little bit of time, I guess. Just define some terms quickly that I think are important. So obviously, what we are talking about is something referred to as critical race theory that is a philosophical understanding philosophical system that was developed decades ago um, that tries to look at the issue of racism I don't like that term, but we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll, <laughs> we will use that term because, unfortunately, that's what everyone has uh, knows, and that's what everyone uses. Yeah, yeah. Um, and let me let me just uh, I'll, I'll read. Uh, there was a new book that came out, I think, uh, last year called Cynical Theories, mm -hmm. uh, written uh, by uh, two scholars. Who are not believers no but no. um but clearly understand the dangers of this critical theory ideology mm -hmm. so i guess to back up just a little bit critical race theory is a subsection of the larger category larger system of critical theory which at its core, as far as I understand it, at its core is the idea of seeing the world in the context of oppressors and the oppressed. And it, and it creates all kinds of categories, places people into all kinds of categories of those who are oppressed and those who are the doing the oppression. Would you say that's a fairly just simplistic general understanding? Yeah, yeah I um, kind of jotted down some some notes regarding um, it, it. It it becomes more and more difficult to define <laughs> because many of the proponents have a tendency to change the um, the definition. But but you mm. you hit and, the nail and, on and, the head. And is at the greatest danger of this whole movement is they literally redefined everything 
and it's like they continue to redefine it and what i what i find so dangerous is i i listened to a discussion on the unbelievable podcast between um i forget the names but they were discussing the whole idea of critical race theory and um and the the person who was speaking against it who was trying was trying to define critical race theory based upon what its scholars were saying yeah and the person who I guess was for critical race theory, but not right. like he, he wasn't a scholar of, of this types of system. He was right. a, a, just a pastor from, a um, from, I think New York, but I don't remember. And, and pretty much it was like, as, as the definitions are, are, are going out, the pastor's just kind of like, just, just picking choosing you know and, and at the end of the day the only thing that really mattered to him was just kind of how he understood critical race theory and it, and it and it was so odd and weird because i'm like okay well you're 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 floating in the air and yeah. you're just grabbing clouds yeah and, and and you're trying to make them stick when we we either accept this ideology for what it is or we reject it because of what it is. Um, yeah. and, and that's so dangerous because the definitions are just changing every day. But then also prop proponents of this ideology are, are picking and choosing what they want. Yeah. If I can interject, I, I think what's, what we're seeing is there are some that are scholars and, and there are others that they, they don't like to be lumped into the category of um, espousing critical race theory. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they'll say that there are some things that could be useful from critical race theory. So they, they, they would, they would object to the position that you and I take, Dennis, where we really don't see much benefit in it at all. And they would say that, well, we're just being narrow-minded about it. And then there's another category where they truly, truly, they're stumbling upon this subject matter of critical race theory, just like, kind of like you and I have, mm -hmm. but they already had some degree of framework by which they look at issues like social justice. I mean, I, I would say yeah. that I fall into that category, quite honestly. Growing up, there were certain beliefs that you just had in my environment and in, 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 in my amongst those that 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 I grew up with in Steelton. We we had this certain thought pattern regarding race, regarding what we perceived to be um, power structures. And we weren't taught any of this stuff. We just, I hesitate to say that you learn it in, instinctively, but I think to some degree that would explain, I, I know exactly which um, podcast you're referring to. I think the guy, I'm not going to, I can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head, but some of these guys 
already had some degree of framework even before this this whole subject matter gained steam. And that's what makes yeah. it so confusing to talk about because everyone's on this. It's like there's this continuum and everyone is like in various places on that continuum. So it's hard to know who you're talking to and where they are in, in, in terms of what they believe regarding the subject. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so your, your definition is spot on. Yeah. So let me, let me just read a paragraph from this book, uh, cynical theories, which is a great book by the way. Um, and, and I think bringing in much needed critique of the, this, uh, philosophical, ideology but in uh, their chapter on let's see chapter five critical race theory and intersectionality i love how they i love the subtitle of this chapter ending racism by seeing it everywhere and uh <laughs> i i i, I love how they wrote that because to some degree that that is almost a perfect definition of what critical race theory is. Um, but let me read the first paragraph. Sure. Critical race theory is at root an American phenomenon. Now that's huge, I think, because yes, it is. Yes, it is. That that in and it of itself, I think, is actually self-destructive. But yeah. So uh, continue reading. So thoroughly is this the case that. Though its ideas have been used outside the United States for some time, they are often highly flavored by U.S. racial history. And here's, I guess, their kind of rough definition. Critical race theory holds that race is a social construct that was created to maintain white privilege and white supremacy. This idea originated long before postmodernism with W.E.B. Du Bois, who argued that the idea of race was being used to assert biological explanations of differences that are social and cultural in order to perpetuate the unjust treatment of racial minorities, especially African Americans. And obviously some of this, uh, there's... Uh, there's um, historical grounds or or mm -hmm. I, I should say there's a historical context that is real of 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 racism absolutely um, that uh that needs to be addressed but that that aside for now the, the the just simply looking at this philosophical ideology and trying to define it i think already begins to demonstrate the dangers of this. And I, and I guess to be clear, I, I think everyone at this point probably understands where we're coming from, but our main goal in doing these, these sessions is to point out the dangers of critical race theory and specifically the dangers of its influence upon the church. I, I think we both share, share that conviction. Yeah, absolutely. Dennis. I mean, I mean the the obvious um danger is is that and I, I don't want to be overly critical <laughs> critical of critical race theory, but um the bottom line is that if if you follow 
the tenets of this particular um, ideology to their logical conclusion, it has to end in destruction. And I think that we're seeing that. We've seen that in our country in general, in various um, various examples. But we're definitely seeing it in the church. And mm-hmm. and that that should break the heart of any faithful Bible believing Christian. The fact that you have denominations and churches that are where where unity seemed to once exist that are now holding on for dear life in terms of the um the the, the fellowship of of the believers in those in those same uh denominations and churches. I mean, the things that I see that are most dangerous about it is number one, those that are guilty of the sins that are being that are resurfacing, they're all dead. <laughs> I mean, the people that have that would have engaged in the types of sins that that are discussed and the things that took place in the history of America, they have long been buried. And therefore, what what could you possibly do except for one, either force those who are still alive to pay for the sins of those that have already passed on. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what type of remedy you can come up with in this particular scenario. Because it's so contrary to what scripture teaches. Yeah. And that's you know, the other thing. The, the, the sons, the sons will only be held accountable from the, for the sins of their fathers. If they commit the same sin. Ezekiel, I forget the chapter now, teaches that very clearly. Chapter 18. 18. Yeah. And and that, and, you know, that's the biblical parameter that's being completely denied here. The other thing, too, Dennis, is that, and I know it rubs people the wrong way to, to draw this in, but you really have to ignore an awful lot of history outside of America, like you were saying, mm-hmm. in order to look at this in such a myopic way. I mean, you really mm-hmm. have to ignore the fact of what is taken. I mean, there's not an, ethnic, an ethnicity on the planet that at one time or another that has not experienced some form of oppression. And that doesn't mean that you make light of what is taking place in America. But it does mean that if you're going to look at things equitably and realistically, you can't just ignore all of history and pretend as if as if America is all that exists. Well, and, and let you know, in light of that, I mean, let's be real here. Slavery has, like you said, has always existed. And will always exist on this sinful, in this sinful world, in all, in different manifestations. Absolutely. I mean, it exists today (laughs) in different manifestations. And one manifestation that it exists in, in Africa, is by blacks enslaving whites. (laughs) You know, so so I, I think, yeah, I, I agree 100%. I mean, having a historical perspective on this 
helps to think clearly and sanely through all this uh, to where we can understand we can in no way excuse sin. Absolutely, sin is sin, and we call it for what it is. But we don't make make one sin the experience of the whole entire world and um, and somehow elevate that as if now how everyone needs to think only in that in that light and in that concept. And you know, and I. For me, I think probably the greatest danger in this, so in the same chapter in this book, Cynical Theories, they later on write, um, it is therefore much easier to see what the tenets of critical race theory are, not at least because its scholars have a tendency to list them. For example, the highly influential reader, Critical Race Theory by Richard Delgado, Gene Stefansik, sets out the core tenets thus. And the fer- the very first one, they write, racism is ordinary, not aberrational. That is, it is the everyday, the everyday experience of people of color in the United States. And when I read that, you know what, what, what gets me is it wasn't until I began to study this topic in, in, in greater detail that I saw how it affected even my own thinking down to the basic <laughs> details of life where I would, you know, I, I would do something in life and uh, whatever, you know, the content, I would do, I would do something nice, let's say just in, in, in a everyday type of occurrence to a black individual. And I begin to think, and, 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 and I have this weird thought that pops up of, Oh, you know, am I doing the? Are they thinking that I'm just, you know, doing this because they're black and I'm trying to pay them back or something, or, you know, uh, reparation at its best type of thing, uh, and, and and it was, I, I mean, it, it it's absolutely ridiculous because that wasn't even that that was that wasn't even a, a hint of a motivation of why I did something. It was just I, I did something because that's just. You know, it just made sense at, at that moment to to do something, um, and I didn't care what color that individual was. But I think that's the greatest danger of this: is it, it forces people into such a divisive mindset. It's bondage. Yeah, yeah, of just of bondage, and and now we see the opposite effect that it's having on the culture, right? Because now there's calls for the blacks to enslave the whites, you know, whether that's metaphorical or not, you know, we'll see how far that goes. Um, no, I know. Yeah, I, no, it's all good, man. You you got it made. That's all I got to say. You got it made in the future of America at the rate yeah. we're going. But um, just don't expect me to be less white. Um <laughs> But yeah, to me, that's, that's, that, that is, and then you bring that into the church and, um, and you look at everything that the New Testament teaches on what it is to be one in Christ in the church. And you're just, I I don't know. I mean, my, I'm just, I'm speechless. (laughs) Dennis, it, it tramples some of the most fundamental basic concepts of Christianity 
forgiveness is trampled. I mean, you you and you you can't remedy it through the means of that that scripture outlines. I mean, there's no repentance. <laughs> there's there's no way to um to even seek reconciliation because you have to you have to admit that you have sinned when you haven't sinned. <laughs> yeah. And even then you place yourself on the treadmill of works. If if you decide to, for whatever reason, to succumb to the, the demands of this this ideology. And that we've seen that happen. We we've seen it already, where unfortunately n- nothing remedies the, the, the issue. You know, you're you're continuously in a mo- mode of penance. Yeah. Which yeah. obviously makes a mockery of the gospel. Absolutely. So, critical race theory. Another word that I thought would be interesting to look at is the, is the whole idea of discrimination and how that has taken different turns. So, yeah. I look at... So, I looked at... Um, I love doing this, actually, with English words looking at how they were defined in the 1828 Webster's Dictionary. And I look at discrimination, it gives three different categories. One, the act of distinguishing, the act of making or observing a difference, distinction, as the discrimination between right and wrong. Number two, the state of being distinguished. Number three, mark of distinction. Then I look at the modern Merriam-Webster dictionary right on their website. The very first definition, prejudiced or pre- uh, prejudicial outlook, action, or treatment. And guess what the example is? Racial discrimination. Uh, two, the act, practice, or an instance of discriminating categorically rather than individually. Uh, Oxford, Oxford Dictionary, Modern Dictionary, number definition number one, the unjust or prejudicial treatment of different categories of people, especially on the grounds of ethnicity, age, sex, or disability. And guess what the example is? Victims of racial discrimination. And, and then definition number two, recognition and understanding of the difference between one thing and another. And the example is discrimination between right and wrong. What, what I find fascinating about this, though, is just how discrimination has become purely a negative word. Yeah. When it has been linked with critical theory. And I, I, well, I, okay, and, and I guess to be honest, to modern dictionaries, obviously terms will be updated to modern usage. So that 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 so so there there is a level here of uh, I'm willing to be fair to modern dictionaries, but the the underlying tone obviously is what has influenced that. Um, yeah, and what what I. What, what I just, what I don't get is, and this is where I think people, the modern brainwashing of our culture has affected our thinking is when I'm choosing to go to lunch somewhere, when I'm out working and I choose 
and I and I choose uh, some local some local good restaurant over a big chain restaurant like McDonald's. Let's say I have discriminated against McDonald's. <laughs> you know, in which the, I uh, recommend. <laughs> hey, you know they got some good McChickens. Come on now. Um, so I, I have discriminated against McDonald's. I have made a distinction. I have I have uh, observed a difference, and I have I have discriminated between a right and a wrong. Now, obviously, that's not a moral right and wrong, but for me, it, it, it is a you know for me at that time. I'm saying it is right for me to go to this local restaurant. It is wrong for me to go to McDonald's mm-hmm. um, in light of, you know, 1828, let's say Webster's dictionary. So, so what I, what I find sad is just how, what, what uh, I think you mentioned this earlier, how CRT critical race theory just redefines everything, redefines many of the terms that are used in this discussion. You know, we just touched on some of them, but you got racism, yeah. discrimination, whiteness, white privilege, you name it. Yeah, it's an endless list. And I mean, one of the things that jumps out at me when when we start talking about discrimination, that actually is a couple things. I mean, sir, I'm sure that in the sessions that we'll do down the road, we'll we'll get into some of Thomas Sowell's work. Um, specifically from his book Discriminations and Disparities, and he explains. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> he explains in great detail how absurd it is to think that that we are not to discriminate. Another, the other passage that comes to my mind in Scripture is a very familiar one in Matthew chapter seven. I'm just going to read this real quick and ver- starting at verse three. It says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, what's the implication there? The implication certainly is not for us to forget about discrimination altogether. The implication is for us to discriminate carefully. It, the, the, the implication there is for us to discriminate according to what is true. We're not to discriminate falsely. We're not to discriminate without careful examination of ourselves um, before we render uh, discrimination or judgment of someone else. And then it goes on to say, um, in verse 6, it says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So, I mean, very clearly there in verse 6, what is implied? In order for you to determine whether you're giving that which is holy to dogs, you have to engage in critical thought. You have to engage in truthfully assessing, in this particular instance, who is a dog or who is a pig, so to speak. Two very harsh terms used to describe the people that we will encounter in the course of 
of daily living as as believers. But the point is not necessarily the descriptives. It's the point is that we are to discriminate. We are to make judgments. We are to assess what is appropriate in various circumstances. Yeah, I mean, we are called directly to discriminate on what is good teaching and what is not. Yeah. Yeah, so it's um it's sad that in light of in light of critical race theory and social justice, you almost can't even have these conversations with people, especially as a white man. But I'm Ukrainian, so we're good. Well, it's increasingly difficult for anyone, quite frankly. Yeah. 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 And it might might even be worse for you as a black man who doesn't buy into to a lot of this. Yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, I, I you know, I think that, I think that, <laughs> I'm, I'm becoming more and more convinced that social justice at large is not the target in all of this. But I think that many people are being used and manipulated to, to hit the target, and that is to divide our country in. in probably even in, in, a, in a larger sense, even our, the world in which we live. And uh, it's, it's really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, let me throw another term out there, racism. So obviously this brings in the whole concept of race. And um, I think this probably demonstrates the redef- rede- redefinition and redefining power of critical race theory because we have gotten one of the probably core tenets, I don't know if I'd call it a core tenet, but one of the the teachings of critical race theory is that racism is one-sided, right? Yeah. Racism can only be committed by a certain skin color. Yeah. So, so the way I look at it is, okay, CRT, critical race theory, brings with it a certain worldview which defines how a person will view life. And what what it does is it, it equates racism with whiteness, and then it equates it with privilege, and then it equates it with the American experience. And lumping all that together, then it states that, well, you as a white man can be racist, but a black man cannot be racist, which, of course, we would say completely defies any historical, traditional understanding of what racism is. Now, we'll interject just for the sake of th- this is one of those subjects where I was implicitly taught this growing up. It was it was a common understanding amongst others that 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 were friends of mine that black people were not capable of being racist because they did not have they were not in positions of power to be able to um to express or enforce the their their prejudices prejudices <laughs> I don't know if that's a word or not. It is now. But 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 yeah, um yeah, that that was a concept that I was well acquainted with growing up. 
And quite frankly, I never gave it a second thought until, I mean, until I grew up and until adulthood. But as, yeah, as a kid I mean, growing I, up, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a perfect example of, of what kind of what we're what we're discussing here because at its simplest form we would say racism is a hatred of somebody based upon their ethnicity based upon their nationality based upon their their origin based upon their forefathers um based upon their skin color which is as we have stated throughout, I mean, well, we haven't stayed throughout, but we 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 understand that it's such a it's such a tragic determining factor in terms of looking at people because, as we've stated, race is really not a real category. It's 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 it was a constructed category. It's a social construct. Yeah, yeah, it's a social construct that when combined with dangerous ideologies it it, it breeds uh, dangerous thoughts and worldviews and ideas and um and specifically just the whole combination of power which obviously is a very american way of thinking and in light of what happened in america obviously it's easy to see the connections that that are being made and uh, b- before we get into the whole idea of systemic racism i just want to take a minute and just quickly i personally hate the term race i i just i i think it's i do not think it's helpful at all you know um Somebody, I, I heard this, uh, a Bible teacher talk about this years ago. He went to Acts chapter 17, verse 4. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind, life and breath, and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel feel their way toward him and find him. And obviously there's a lot there. Um, but just simply for our purposes, what what he pointed out from that passage which i just found so helpful is he made from one man every nation of mankind so if we want to be biblical here then biblical is there's one race and that is the human race absolutely and and God made from one man every single other human being, every nation, and he determined where those nations would live. He determined where those nations would be. He determined their boundaries. Um, he determined all of that. And uh, and on so on the one hand... That's why I think just the term is not helpful at all, and I and I think the whole concept 
is just not helpful at all. But then on the other hand, obviously, it is because of this that we know that racism is just a disgusting sin, which just should have absolutely no room in the church at all. But but yeah, so so the whole idea of racism, though, obviously has been redefined in a way that we would say that's just not helpful, especially right. as Christians. And when you attempt to look at it from a systemic standpoint, it becomes even that much more complex and shapeless, quite frankly. It's, it's when, you, when you attach the concept of systemic racism, I mean, the, the, I think the tricky thing with that, that concept is that one could say that the enterprise of chattel slavery itself would be a, an example of systemic racism. The question that I think is, I think that's on everyone's mind now is, do we still have systems that promote racism at this point? And I think the more that I look at the examples that are given, the less and less convinced I am that there are examples of systemic racism that that we could actually say are legitimately take place in 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 this era yeah yeah so entering into now the the whole discussion of racism um and and even you know even that in and of itself uh what what you just talked about i'm still chewing on because you look at the american slavery and the sin of that you know it's almost like okay well was that um Biblically speaking, are we talking about the sin of racism or are we talking about the sin of enslavery? You know, because that's very clear. You know, I mean, I mean, you even look at passages like First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10. Paul's giving his list. I mean, the sexually immoral men who practice homosexuality, enslavers. So those who take someone captive in order to sell him into slavery, uh, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. So, Mm -hmm. um, was there, was there, um, was there hatred on some at that time of the, uh, ethnicities of the Africans that were being enslaved? I'm sure. I'm, 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 I'm absolutely, I'm sure that was there. But uh, but to just simply say, oh, that was just, you know, the racism that happened in America. I'm not even sure if that in and of itself is overly helpful. Um, because, again, biblically speaking, the whole concept of racism, I think, has to be very finely defined on, on what you what you specifically mean. And and then when you look at it historically, there's. There's just fine definitions that are needed in, in a lot of this. Because even, I, I mean, even I, I mean, we'll we'll probably we'll probably get into some of this, I'm sure, later on. But mm-hmm. even um, Christian social just Christian leaders who are social justice warriors, those those people who support this framework and are speaking for it. They're quick to point out the sins of the church, but when you read when you read some of the uh, 
arguments that that church leaders like like uh, you and I talked about this not too long ago with Dabney, for example, mm-hmm. um, and the arguments they were making, they very clearly talked about the sin of slavery and the sin surrounding that, and they very clearly s- spoke against it and, and uh, pointed out its evil. Uh, I, I guess to, to to, but there were other arguments involved there that uh we we can maybe get into some of that a little bit later but where we would say that that um no that wasn't a good way to argue at all (laughs) um but it wasn't like it wasn't like the church was just sitting back going oh yeah get them get them this is great well yeah i think that the church the church's involvement in this particular subject matter is difficult to unpack uh, unpack because obviously something had to change where where the church fell under conviction to make drastic changes obviously yeah um and i don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that because once again what I, what I'm what I mean is obviously there's the the change that was made was in response to something that was wrong <laughs> but yeah, yeah but absolutely. but the, I guess the point that I'm trying to make here is um once again you you can't look at this subject matter in isolation there's a whole series of things that took place in the context of it um like we said earlier at, at the beginning of this, slavery was unfortunately, well, I, I, I got to be specific. Chattel slavery was always a part of the the human experience over history. I mean, it was, unfortunately, it, it, it was as much a part of the human experience as some of the things that we take for granted you know today i mean you you had i mean the the economic system <laughs> of the of the world was drastically different than that which was created by capitalism the whole concept of people you know whatever you killed you eat or whatever you grew you eat you ate so a lot of things had to take place along the way even in the history of America, in order for people to come to the conclusion that this this enterprise that that was widespread all over was something that needed to be rectified, that it needed that it needed to change. So I mean, it, it's just you know, I, I think that the argument against the church is a bit I think it's once again I think it's a bit myopic where we're not really considering the 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 concept of what was going on in society at that point in time and yeah I think every generation is going to have things that the the next generation are going to critique quite frankly and make 
judgments about based upon what's going on in their culture at that time. I mean, I think about abortion right now. Prayerfully, if the world continues to exist, <laughs> there will come a point where, you know, hopefully Christians will continuously um, advocate for life in the womb and the this awful enterprise of um, murder in the womb will be no more. When that happens, people are going to look back and they're going to look at history and they're going to look at the era in which you and I lived and they're going to draw conclusions about that enterprise. Yeah. 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 I mean, one, one thing that I always, I always like to think of is um, we have to be careful of anachronism. We have to be careful of not, um, not taking the modern context of which we're in, the modern uh, advances that are present in, in thought and in cultures, and then just be quick to look back and push that upon, upon history. Uh, the, church, the church was present for um, over 2,000 years, and... Um, through all kinds of contexts, cultural, societal contexts, and the church has made many mistakes. <laughs> and um, um, but but again, I think part of that just goes back to what you started out with, and that is having a proper understanding of man, having a proper understanding of God. Uh, that's why I just, I love that act 17 passage because mm -hmm. it clearly points to God's providence in um, doing something through everything and in everything. Um, yeah, and, and through sinners and through lost and people. Through, absolutely. I mean, that, yeah. that are brought from death to life. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, the whole idea of systemic racism. Okay. So we obviously would, we would agree that there is a history to let's just again we'll just use the word racism we'll use the 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 modern terminology that's being used because everybody um everybody generally knows what's being meant so we obviously understand that there is a history to racism in America in light of what we just talked about, what happened. Um, and, uh, and I think we, we, we would definitely, we would definitely say there was, there, there's definitely a level of systemic, um, racism that, that existed, that went into a framework uh, that guided the systems that were present at that time of in culture, in society. Right. And you hinted at this earlier. The question obviously is, is that still around? And I think that's, that's relevant because in light of what we read from, from the cynical theories book and when they look at when they look at what the scholars of critical race theory promote, one of the core tenets is racism is everywhere. You have to see it everywhere. 
and you as a black man, you're taught to see racism everywhere, and you have to think in those terms. And <clears throat> excuse me, we're we're obviously not gonna. I don't think we're overly. I don't think we're um, qualified to enter into this discussion and look at all the different facets of that. And um, we can just like just like you hinted at that in the past. The more you dig into this, and you look at people that have studied this in detail, that they they very quickly dismiss the evidence, the quote-unquote evidence that is presented of modern systemic racism. And I think maybe part of the confusion is just simply defining systemic racism because I wonder if I wonder if some people might think that, well, if I've experienced it or if I've met others who experienced it, then that means it has to be systemic. And that's not what's being meant, right? No. um, I mean, we know that racism, as we (laughs) as we um, we refer to it, exists. We know that people are sinfully discriminated against we see those instances but when you start referring to something as being systemic you're you're implying that either deliberately or as a result of past structuring if you will you're saying that there is a system in place that involves oppressing people according to race and that Dennis is that is a a virtually impossible notion to I, I would say accurately um, assess or critique. Our world is far too complex. Sinners abound everywhere, and therefore everyone, to a certain degree, takes advantage of of others man to man when we we may we won't have time to examine it tonight but when you examine how the very concept of abortion came about the people involved in that particular enterprise were were racists um however in in its actual definition (laughs) yeah 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 specifically yet and still you still have to be careful even to assign systemic a systemic definition to abortion because here you have something that people voluntarily involve themselves in you follow me well and yeah and if you're going to say and if you're going to say that it's systemic you would also have to in, in the context of racism you would also have to say that everybody working at Planned Parenthood is a racist. Everybody working at Planned Parenthood just looks for the blacks, you know, that that the and just drags them in there. So so there is a concept of you you would have to say to say that systemic racism, you have to look at America and all of the different systems 
systems that make up America on the political realm, on the uh, economical realm, on the educational realm, um, you, you name it, you'd have to say that all of those systems at their core are designed to to be racist. And, and, um, and Dennis, this is where it gets complicated because many people would would balk at your your um your assessment of how it works they would tell you that well those the people involved in it may not necessarily be racists themselves but because of the effects of the system affect a certain demographic then that system is racist. Like, for example, right now you're hearing in the news quite a bit um, that urban communities are having trouble getting vaccinated for against COVID-19. You're starting to hear that kind of talk. And the implication is that that is a, a systemic problem that affects a certain race of people. Now, I don't agree with that. I think that, and that's what I think the problem is, Dennis. I think that a lot of times when when we go to to look at things like this, and and Thomas Sowell talks about this, the idea that you have discriminations in one sense, which come in varieties, and you have disparities. Disparities are things that may affect a certain class of people, but it's not because of someone else's belligerent sinful behavior, but it's because there's other factors that cause that type of disparity. For example, trying to simplify this, and maybe this should be for another topic when we we get together, Um, but like for example, the the health system. Some would say that the health system in general, there may be a systemic component to that where where blacks do not receive the same type of health care as others. Okay, so let's just assume that that might be true. Let's assume that that's accurate. You can't necessarily just draw the conclusion that that is systemic racism, because there, there, there are other factors that have to be considered. Healthcare has a cost. So in, in theory, and, and I'm using this very loosely, um, in theory, those that are able to afford better healthcare are going to get better healthcare. That doesn't necessarily mean that the system is specifically designed to withhold healthcare from black people. It means that there are a host of different factors that have to be considered um, before you draw the conclusion that system systemic racism is is in play. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, and see, and that and that's the problem because in the eyes of critical race theory, you're taught to see racism in that. So you look at the. Um, you look at the prisons, 
the majority are blacks. Well, it has to be racism. It has to be because majority of cops are racist and they're just they just want to get blacks. That's all there is to it. Completely ignoring all of the other factors involved. The biggest one being, dare I say, family. Dare I say a proper family structure. I mean, why is it? Why, why is it? I mean, I mean, how how many studies do, do we need a study for this? <laughs> do we need a study for this? But how many studies have demonstrated that when you take a certain area that has high family values, there is a lower crime rate than when you take an area that erases those family values. You know, I mean, I, I mean, as Christians, we obviously know the, the very clear reason for that is um, God designed the family. And when the family functions well, that in and of itself is a safeguard to prevent further sin. Dennis, that's one of the things that drives me absolutely crazy. Someone will listen to this and they will be offended by how we have laid this out in terms of cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Instead of looking at it objectively, I mean, because really what we've just stated, what you just stated really is, I mean, it's common sense, number one. And then number two, as as we talked about very early along in this session, if you start with God, if you start with how he designed man, how he designed family, how he designed marriage, how he designed um, the nurturing of children, if you'd start with all those things as as fundamental, it shouldn't be all that complicated to figure out that when that goes off the rails that you're going to have you're going to have outcomes that 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 are undesirable mm-hmm. but i i don't understand i don't understand why it's it's such a, a difficult thing yeah <laughs> yeah the, yeah the other thing i just want to say is in light of that too is it's like the solution to all of this because absolutely the the thing that 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 gets me is when we look at it biblically and when we and the solution to sin and then when you look at what the culture is trying to push uh what critical race theory is trying to push as the solution it's just it's so contrary the two cannot coexist they cannot no um no and and that and i think that's um I think that 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 has to be seen. That has to be seen for anyone to think clearly through this. Yeah, it's mind blowing for us as Christians to lose, almost lose, in sight of the gospel almost completely. <laughs> I think about First Corinthians fifteen, where it says, "You know, this is of first importance. <laughs> you know that Christ died." I mean, in, in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, where it says, 
I am not a, a, ashamed of the gospel for it is the power. It's the power is not in man's devised remedies for, for what ails him. It, 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 it we we have enough history <laughs> to be able to determine that that does not produce the kind of results that that we would like to see and yeah. it's only as the heart is changed and the only way that the heart is changed is if we are born again brought to the foot of the cross and we see Christ for what he has done on the cross and see ourselves as sinners in need of a savior. Yeah. yeah. Well, one last thing uh, I wanted to say that I think has to be said just for sake of clarification. And that is that um, we understand that there is a distinction here that needs to be made between those, those in the church well, and even and even at large, but those who approach this topic from a philosophical framework of CRT, critical race theory, and those who just simply approach this from the context of experience um, and just what they have experienced, mm-hmm. um, and and. and and, and I think that is helpful because e- even as you shared with your w- with your earlier experience and what you were taught, it, it would probably be accurate to say that that would probably be the experience of many blacks in America and uh, and blacks in the church that they grew up in a certain context. Yeah that they were taught to think in a certain way and none of it was laid out in the context of CRT or, or anything like that. So when they come to this issue, they look at what's going on and their first thought is, well, I experienced it. You know, I know others that, that, that experience it. So obviously it must be true. Um, yeah. Yeah. Dennis, that's why I, I, I can't emphasize enough that when when we are when we're made new it radically changes the way that we look at the the world in which we live the way that we look at people um and of course the way that we look at god and i think that um i mean i've gotten to the point where i test everything <laughs> everything yeah. that i've learned during the the time period that i've um been upon this earth um, nothing is off limits. And, and I think that, I mean, I'd like to think that that's the way that I try to look at the lens. I try to look through life, you know, because as a lost man, I, I, only thing I had was my own intuition and instinct and God's spirit changes that. It changes the way that you look at your world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think no matter which from which direction you approach this, the question is whose justice are you seeking? Yeah. That's... And, uh, and if you're seeking, if you're seeking God's justice, then God's principles is what is, what is going to guide your worldview. 
Absolutely. <clears throat> and that means that your your experience is real, but your experience has to be viewed through God's lens. Um yeah. and and that's all that's all that matters at the end of the day. All, all we have and all we are and who we are is God's people. Yep. Um, and we, we have all kinds of different experiences. We have all kinds of different injustices. We have all kinds of sins that we face in this world. Um, and, and, but, but we have to view them through God's lens and, I do believe, and I think we both would agree, that it is the job of the church to stand up for injustice. It is the job of the church to speak moral, to to be the moral voice of a sinful culture, but to do it in God's way and where where it is real, yeah. where, where it is genuine, um, because... The greatest danger is to take a personal experience and then demand that upon the whole entire church. When, you know, for me, I, uh, and I, I think this is important, you know, I, I don't think I have ever met a truly racist person who was at least outspoken about it. You know, and I, I mean, I, I've yeah. been to quite quite a few places uh, during my my uh, life, um, traveled a bit, and I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever met in America a truly racist person. I know they exist. I know that mm-hmm. that sin is real, but the only reason why I say that is it is just simply to demonstrate that we've gotten better. <laughs> America has gotten better in in. in you know, in in that context, um, in in that context, and 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 it's by God's grace, obviously. And we're quickly going downhill now, but um, but um, but but I think that's important to understand too. Where it's like that's why you have, let's say, my experience, and then you have the experience of maybe a you know a black brother who's going to come and say well i've experienced it and i still experience it and it's both of those experiences are 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 real but we have to view them truthfully through the lens of god's word and we have to treat them through the principles that god has laid out and not demand something upon the church um, that that is that doesn't need to be publicly demanded yeah, something that God doesn't demand. Yeah, absolutely. Well, brother, I want to thank you, and uh, I want to thank those that that may listen. Um, uh, we really appreciate you spending time with us, and uh, until next time, we'll we'll catch you on another episode. That's right. May that's God right. bless yeah, you. Thanks. Yeah, God bless. Thanks for joining, and we'll keep the conversation going, and hopefully, hopefully God's people will be blessed with this.